Welcome to The Impossible Job, a podcast about the misadventures in parenting that every parent goes through, regardless of who your family is. I'm Laura LaBelle, a part-time working mom with two young kids. I'm Laura Churchill, a stay-at-home mom with two boys. We're We're not not experts, just parents. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> Shaking How's out. your week been? It's been uneventful, and I will take it. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, same. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we had spring break. Oh, we're about to go into spring break. Okay. okay. Yeah, so it's spring break. Um, didn't do anything. So. Perfect. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. We have a really awesome episode for everyone yeah, today. Yeah, we have a guest today. Yes. Uh, we have a, a child psychologist, right, Dr. Laura Brinkmeyer. So yes. we're going to call her in just a moment and kind of talk uh, about kids and anxiety and just yeah. development and raising emotionally resilient children. Just the whole gamut of Hopefully. things. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a lot of work on our part. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's a lot of parenting. Mm, feels uh, like I need to work on some things. <laughs> Maybe I should not have been entrusted with the child just yet, but it's fine. Cool, it's cool, it's cool. We'll see, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> why don't we go ahead and give her a call? Yep. All right. Today we have a guest on our show. I know, we're so excited. Yes, we have Dr. Laura Brinkmeyer, who is a child psychologist based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dr. Brinkmeyer has a master's in education from Harvard University and received her doctorate in psychology at the University of St. Thomas. She's been working with children and families for over 12, 20 years, excuse me, 20 years. (laughs) Hello, Lauren. How are you? Great. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Another Laura. (laughs) To join us. To join the the trio of Lauras. Uh, So, uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Brinkmeyer. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, One of the things that we like to ask all of our guests is kind of, who lives in your house? Just so everyone can get to know you. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to share that. I live alone. Um, I'm single, and uh, I'm looking to adopt a dog or a cat, some sort of furry animal. Um, but pandemic times have been pretty busy for me um, as a child psychologist. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't gotten to it yet, but it's on the list. What kind of got you started? If since I mean you don't have children, what made you really interested? In child psychology. In child psychology. Yeah. Um, well, really what sort of developed my love of children and interest in child development and um, families and community is growing up with a mom who did daycare in our home. And so my some of my earliest memories are waking up to past pots and pan band uh, (laughs) in our family living room. And um, I got the opportunity to not only have two siblings of my own, but um, an extension of our family where it was all of the daycare children that my mom cared for, which was over 50 in her decades-long career. And in that way, I was able to see kids grow from infancy to, you know, high school years in that, like, um, I babysat for them. They were, they were very much a part of our family and my mom's business was embedded in our community. 
So that led me to, you know, babysitting jobs, nanny positions, uh, psychology and child development, undergrad, then master's, then my doctorate, you know, work in um, children's mental health and policy and research. Um, and the rest is history. Wow, that's amazing. I'd say you probably have a lot more experience than most parents. <laughs> I feel like I cannot complain about my tune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think that there is something about being a parent, about pregnancy, you know, caregiving. Each experience is unique and children come into families in so many different ways and so, you know, um I just share my experience in an honest way and have found that I'm a fit for a lot of families and parents and not for some and that's okay. You know, therapy is such an intimate experience and the relationship is key. And so we can't be everything to everybody, but we can be a helper for a lot of people, I find. That's awesome. So what are some of the areas in which you help children? Yes. Well, so I am a child psychologist in a community mental health setting. And in that setting, we serve kids across the age range and parents. And um, anyone who walks in the door, our mission is to help and refer on when appropriate. So um, I see kids with all sorts of struggles related to developmental tasks, like, you know, winning to learning to win and lose and um, make friends and, you know, also uh, regulate their emotions and also related to changes in their lives, big or small, you know, a new grade or a divorce of parents, loss of a loved one. So there's just so many varying struggles that I help uh, children and families with. Uh, what's like the age range that you practice, your tip, your practice typically specializes in? Generally three to 17 year olds. That's probably the vast majority. And then within that, you know, I'd say nine to 12 years old. I see a lot of um, kids within that range, you know, puberty, <laughs> puberty, middle school. Yeah. There's a lot of struggle in that. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but it, you know, it just, it really varies. Um, community mental health just is, is so generalist in that way. And that way I really um, enjoy it. It's never dull. You mentioned a lot of areas uh, that you work with children and I, I didn't even think about some of them. I always think about like the bigger life events. So what are some of the signs that a child maybe should see somebody out, you know, like see a psychologist? It's a great question. Um, I'm really passionate about this, actually. You know, we are very socialized to bring our kids to the pediatrician, you know, yearly for checkups. It's important for their physical development. While all of that is happening, you know, physically for kids, they have many developmental tasks, Mm -hmm. not only physical, cognitive, social, emotional. And pediatricians in general do a great job of screening for social-emotional issues, but Visits are quick, and um, often if there aren't a lot of concerns, um, you know, it can be a pretty short visit. And so, you know, really being attuned to all of the things that are that's a part of your child's life, their sleep, their eating, their appetite, their relationships, social interactions, and also connections, their mood, of course, behavior, 
So verbal and nonverbal behavior. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, academically, how are they doing in their school? And, and, you know, for for young children in early childhood, um, equally, how do they participate with their peers um, in that setting that they're in? And I could go into more specifics, um, but basically if a child's sleeping too little or too much, if they're waking in the middle of the night. If I got they, something for you. Yeah. You know, and within all the age ranges, you know, there's different sleep regression. There's typical things, right? right. But as soon as it seems like it's like, ooh, I think my child kind of not moving through this developmental task, mm-hmm. like, you know, I see other kids their age or, you know, a medical condition has been ruled out, but a problem persists that ideally I love seeing kids when the problem is small <laughs> um, because it's usually so treatable. Okay. Um, before it gets so, into like a bigger deal. Yeah. Like, before it gets like to a bigger deal. Physical <laughs> yeah. mental, medical and, issue. Uh, this is where I'm so passionate is sometimes families aren't able to be seen because there aren't enough children's mental health providers in our country and so the wait lists are so long and when parents call they're put on a wait list that can be anywhere from six months now some agencies have year-long wait lists there aren't enough providers and so um you know kids being able to be seen quickly and in a timely manner is so important and we need a whole host of things to happen within our society for more providers to enter the workforce and for, you know, timely um, appointments to happen. It's another podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what are um, some of the stressors that you see typically in elementary age children and how can like parents or caregivers help support their child through them? Yeah. So usually the stressors I see are related to either changes and transitions in a child or teen's life or moving through and mastering some sort of developmental task. And when those, those things are either uh, struggles in those areas, um, when they become acute, usually are markers of, like, you know, a, a more generalized issue across the board. So, you know, for example, like anxiety, that's probably the most common thing I see. Mm-hmm. Um, some level of anxiety is healthy and typical, and when it gets to be too much, it's problematic, and then uh, treatment is really important. So, But the developmental tasks that kids sometimes struggle with is, you know, sleep-wake-eating cycle initially in their young years. Having at least um, one adult that's a secure attachment, so changes in a child's life, you know, early in life between caregivers can um, can cause that disruption, and they really need that to for so much of their development. Um, learning to win and lose, wait their turn, not get an idea or a concept at school easily and have to keep going, making friends, delaying gratification, um, all of those things uh, can get much bigger and be harder. In the elementary years, you know, for example, I see a lot of kids diagnosed with ADHD and winning and losing is huge for them. You know, it it disrupts their life so much and like sports and school, um, their reactions can get so big. And so really mastering that uh, is 
can and having a healthy response can positively impact their lives so much. And then the changes and transitions, you know, things like a new sibling, moving homes or cities, um, the health issue of a parent, divorce. Um, you know, I'm here in Minnesota and community violence, racism, the George Floyd um, here. Those are all been things that have impacted families that I work with. And, and then, of course, the pandemic. So, you know, children are uh, in our world equally to us and are impacted by all of the things, all of the social forces and, and transitions. So what are ways that like parents can maybe help ease that or reassure their, their children, especially since you said that there can be such a long waiting list to get to see right. uh, a psychologist. What's something that maybe a parent can do in the meantime, in the meantime while waiting? Maybe help ease yeah. and soothe their kids. Yeah, I think that there's so much just related to physical and emotional regulation. So um, things like making space for all feelings in your home and helping kids to have healthy strategies for expressing them. So anger can be a one that is um, really powerful for kids and um, and they struggle to know how to display it appropriately. And so, you know, or sadness too, um, helping them differentiate between sad and mad. Um, okay. So really naming their feelings, that's one of the things. Helping them process in healthy ways and also helping them balance, and this is, a cogn- or this is a developmental task. So like elementary age kids can do this a bit, but younger kids, it's much harder. But introduce like rational thought and logic into their thinking too, that they can get swept up in their emotion, right? It's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And so helping them, you know, stop and think when the, that right, I talk about riding the wave of emotion <laughs> once they've, they're riding it and you, you know, you wouldn't want to, try to use logic in the middle of your toddler tantrum, right? Or yeah. even elementary school age tantrum. The most logic they, toddlers have is just maybe naming what their feelings are and Yes, naming the feeling and assuring and them then model okay. <laughs> Yeah. But, go ahead, sir. Uh, maybe just like assuring like this is your feeling that you're feeling right now. It's okay that you're feeling it, but Maybe let's not do this in a public setting. <laughs> let's do it in a more appropriate place or yeah, a safer place, yeah. a safer environment. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think it's so hard, you know, to have your child have a tantrum in the Target parking lot. And <laughs> um, I think that also, you know, as I talk to parents and they're saying like, oh, you know, I this terrible thing, you know, it just exploded in Target and everyone was watching. And, you know, I think that there definitely can be some judgments with other parents. And and also I hear so much like, oh, thank God that wasn't me and my kid. Or (laughs) I feel so bad for for that parent. Like, oh, you know, like I'm not judging them, you know. And that the judgment also can come from a place of like, I'm not sure what to do either, but that doesn't look right. Right. And so... You know, kind of back to the things that parents can really do is um, helping kids learn how to problem solve, you know, make a plan, carry it out, how to, you know, learn boundaries and safety. So bring safe and kind people close to them, friends and adults, 
Um, and then also learn how to say no and assert themselves in healthy ways. That's a good one, um, yeah. Yeah, that, um, and really like, it's related to sort of their sense of self and identity and that they um, are their own person and a, and a person that they value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that in some ways maybe answers your question as far as like, oh, yeah. you know, parents on the wait list with an anxious child or something like that. It's just so typical. I think definitely the feelings language, coping skills. Um, I think also, you know, depending on their level of struggle. So if, you know, they might be transitioning to a new grade and it's really hard and they're not eating well and they're not sleeping and, you know, really like naming that it takes practice to, to be able to deal with change and kids are every year getting better. They have more changes. They have more um, ability to practice that, but we certainly don't expect them to be good at it right away. I mean, some kids are better than others, right? Um, Right. And just their temperament sort of lead them to to weather some of those changes better, you know, and supports really matter. But I think helping kids not personalize the struggles either and, and name them as part of life can be helpful. Sometimes kids really like like me to put on my expert hat, which has been <laughs> uncomfortable for me to develop because I like <laughs> to hear from them, but they can find such reassurance in like, this happens to other kids. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're not the only one, you know, and they're like, who else comes to your office? <laughs> you know, who do you see? And I'm like, I see everybody. <laughs> and You're special, like, no. but not in this way. Everyone yeah, has like, If we, I mean, no kid ever talks about what pediatrician do you see, right? And right. so my dream would be, it would be just the same because yeah. our bodies and minds are connected and we need that support related to our mental health as much as our physical. And and thinking of it as just health altogether would be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, I think it decrease a lot of stigma. Um, so, which would tie into more funding, all of the things to make the wait list shorter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you did mention, like, COVID. That's a big change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you seen, yeah. like, an increase in certain behaviors or stressors for kids once since during this year? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, my um, getting a pet is on the sidelines because it's been very busy. And, uh, yeah, I think the number one thing I see is just anxiety. Kids are... Um, experiencing our anxiety as adults and holding, you know, a collective fear. And and part of anxiety, the response is, like, we want to control right. you know, the things we can. And so across the board, kids want to control. And we're seeing that as, like, a lot more no and oppositionality and irrational <laughs> tantrums and meltdowns and fights. Um, about things that seemed easy before, right? Mm -hmm. Like putting your clothes on in the morning or, you know, coming home on time from like getting to play outside with a friend, you know, all those interactions are more loaded too. Everything means more. So, um, yeah, I think also depression in kids. I've seen a lot more kids who are already struggling, you know, going to some pretty low places where, you know, they're, they're hopeless and some of them have been suicidal. And I think that 
part of that is is this on top of their typical emotional struggles and layers just been too much yeah um yeah so my oldest, he he can extend a lot of grace to people when they make mistakes that he does not extend to himself. And we're working through that. But what advice can you give to a parent or caregiver to help support a child who maybe struggles with like negative self-talk and things in that kind of wheelhouse? Yeah, um, I think just knowing that kids are learning to have a kind inner voice. Okay. Um, and that there, there's we live in a competitive society <laughs> yes. where we are told to win and um, kind of at all costs, you know, pain is gain, things like that. And so even within a family where gentleness and a kind inner voice is modeled, it's still a, a pretty significant developmental task for kids to develop that too. Because if you develop that as a parent, you really fought against some of the societal voices of you're not enough, yeah. you know, right. you're measured by your behavior, you're <laughs> measured still working on that. Talk is something I yeah. still yeah. struggle with. So, yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And so, absolutely. I mean, and I think really helping kids to, to develop that gentle inner voice and, like, it's definitely work for ourselves like the more work I've done to develop self-compassion for myself the more I've been able to share with my clients and the parents I work with like how to go about doing that and perfection definitely isn't the um, goal it's much more about progress but so one really concrete way of intervening is I hear kids say you know, I'll, I'll be playing with them in session. I'm such an idiot. It's all my fault. Like they did something wrong. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I think parents, I hear they're quick to say, Oh honey, you're not an idiot. I love you so much. You're the most important thing in my life. How could you say that? Right. Right. And of course, <laughs> Laura and I are like looking at each other like, that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, it's not a terrible thing to say. Right. And I think, um, you know, helping them with the words in that moment can be so powerful because they, they if you're saying that, like, they, they know how much you love them and they have to love themselves. Right. And they have to develop that self-compassion. And so you could say, like, I hear you're frustrated. You're learning to do, to make a mistake or, um, you know, what do we do in our family? What do you hear me say? You know, and then... Um, modeling that can be so important or, um, you know, the words. So something like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to try again. I'm learning. Yeah. Um, one of the most valuable pieces of um, curriculum in the U.S. Is a, is a growth mindset of kids, um, you know, really knowing that they're not going to get something in school right away most often, right? They're right. going to be good at some things and it's going to come easy. And um, But work is part of learning. Missing the mark is part of learning. Um, so th- I think that can really help with that yeah. gentle inner voice. And then also just really being mindful. You know, in high-achieving families, sometimes, you know, our accomplishments and um, talents are things that 
we are proud of and define us, but really talking about the inherent worth of being a human being outside of all of those things. You know, kids lose a soccer game and they think, well, I'm not a good person anymore. You know, right. um, we want to help them know um, you're much more than the collection of your wins and losses or, yeah. yeah. So, and soccer can be super important to you and you want to <laughs> win the championship, right? <laughs> and you're also rocking the field and you're great. So, um, you know, often when kids get things easily, this can be um, an even harder developmental task because they're not as used to the struggle. Right. Well, I'm good at soccer. I've always been good at soccer. But what happens when you're not? And what happens when you're not is such a beautiful way to build resilience, though, too, because that struggle helps them work through. Yeah. We've introduced the word yet. So when mm-hmm. my daughter complains about like something being really hard at school, she's she'll say something like she's eight, but she'll say, oh, I'm so bad at math or I'm so bad at writing sentences. And I'm like, you're not good at it yet. Like you're working it's beautiful. on it. You're doing, yeah. you're not good at this yet, but with more practice, mm-hmm. you That's will a good one. be. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, or even yeah. with like foods. I don't like this. And I'm like, you don't like it yet. <laughs> you're yeah. learning to like it. <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah. It's a be- That's beautiful. I love how you extend it to food too. Um, you know, the average child has to <laughs> try a food 15 times. Yeah to really figure out I if they like, like it. And that, yeah, that's, not a, that's not a selective eater either. That's like your typical kid who right. probably eats a lot of things. So, so if you compound that for a selective eater, or we sometimes call them picky, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot. So the yet is so important. Yeah, for sure. Great I love that. Woohoo, high fives to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are some ways that we can foster, like, emotionally resilient children? Just how can we From raise, the go, yeah. Like, really yeah. resilient, emotionally kind of kids? Yeah. I think um, one of the most important things is one of the hardest. And for the kids that I have been emotionally closest to, you know, like, nannied and just, you know, as close as I think... Um, I could probably get without being a parent. Um, seeing them struggle and fail is painful. Ugh, you know? That is. It just wants the best for them. And, you know, especially you know, what's been really hard is like seeing, you know, a child that I love be hurt by another peer or left out, mm. you know, and just that really wanting to go and swoop in and help <laughs> and save, right. you know, just you know, injustices on the playground um, or in life. And, you know, part of children developing resilience is that they would be able to move through struggle and come out the other side. It doesn't mean it won't be hard, right? But right. They'll, it won't knock them down for so long that they won't be able to get back up. So, so let them fail. Help. Let them yeah. get hurt. Let's but, yeah, let them I fail, mean, let them get hurt. Not me oh. hiding under the desk. I know. Gosh, sounds like a lot of me, like, in the fetal position yeah. in my bed. Just no. like, why? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Right, like, right. How do you become resilient? You have to f- fail right. and bounce back from things. It sounds... Just watching your own child yeah. go through those motions, it just... 
that's a hard one yeah but making sure yeah. also creating a like how you said earlier just making space for all emotions right so that way they can yeah hopefully come to you yeah <laughs> yeah so hard so hard you know, and starting in small ways, so being kind to yourself as a parent, too, of, you know, a way to practice it is your kid asks for a toy at the store, and you say, no, not today. Like, we're not getting one today, even if you could easily do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or that you, they express an interest in a sports team or an activity where you think they either won't do well or um, won't make the team, Right. Um, that those are low stakes generally, um, and, but struggle is likely. Right. And yeah. not protecting them from that. I sometimes hear parents, like in so many ways, you know, moving kids toward their strengths, which is great, but we also want them to take risks because that's part of, I think, the success that we want for our kids, right? Yeah. Too? Like the more risks they take, the more opportunity they have to succeed. I have a question about yeah. the whole sports thing. So mm-hmm. here's a scenario. <laughs> so say like your kid wants to sign up for the like the Parks and Rec, you know, soccer team, and mm-hmm. you don't think they're gonna like it, but you say okay, and you sign them up, and then after like two practices, they're like, yeah, I don't like this. Should you allow them to quit, or should you make them finish the season? So I think that was such a good question. I get the such a common childhood um, thing <laughs> too. It's just like you, <laughs> I don't know. you know, mo- your child probably, unless they're super sporty, they won't like every activity they try, which is great. Right. So right. anyway, I think it's the reason they don't want to move forward that's important. Because as much as we help kids not give up, I think we have to teach them when to quit also, especially a perfectionist, anxious kid Mm -hmm. um, who will, you know, not give up to their own detriment. Uh, So why? That's the question. You know, really exploring with them. Um, Is it because they're bored? Is it because, well, I don't think I'm good at it? Is it because they're getting bullied? Is it because everyone else is better? You know, I think the board reason or they don't think they're good is a reason to kind of move forward. Like, well, when you're bored, you got to kind of figure out what to do. Like, maybe you need to ask to play a new position or if they just don't like it. Like, yeah, you know, uh, I think it will be helpful to keep going. See if there's anything you do like by the end of the season. If not, then it's very reasonable to say next season Right, we won't try spend something money else. this way. And it's so complicated, too, because all the activities are so expensive. And now kids, yeah. you know, we don't give kids enough opportunity to just explore something for right. free or super cheap. Um, you know, it's, so that's a component, too, that's real. And then talking with your kid maybe before you start that. But I do think it's money well spent to at least have them do it once and, like, not like it, you know, that that is just as valuable as if... Yeah. You know, they take off and fly. and So it depends on the reason and depends on the kid. Like, right. So no 
one way is wrong or you're screwing up your game if you... <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No. Like, and you're like, oh, should yeah. I let them quit? Right. But... Usually the thing is you yeah. can't let them quit. You right. have to keep pushing yeah. them through. Right. But I mean, if they're really trying yeah. and they're just terrible and they hate every second, then yeah, maybe let's not do this anymore. But <laughs> yeah. if it's just like... yeah you know, they're not good at it, but they're still kind of in fun, but they're just feeling a little self-conscious, then maybe be like, maybe we practice when or you introduce yeah. the yet word. Yeah, you're not, you're not good at it yet, but maybe with more practice and a little bit of time, right. you'll be. Yeah. And, that could and I love that idea too, of like practicing with your kid, whatever they're doing. Um, so sometimes in my sessions, you know, I'll have kids being in Minnesota, hockey is really big. Okay. Yeah. You know, we start kids pretty early here. You know, I have um, like little floor hockey sticks and soft puck in my <laughs> office. And we, you know, kids have taught me so much. I didn't grow up in a hockey family. So, um, but like, yeah, that, you know, I help them see like, you know, way more than you think you do. Right. And there may be a lot of kids who are better. Um, but what are you getting from the team? And you know, do you like being with your friends on the ice? Do you, um, you know, what are the, there's so much of being on a team that's valuable, you know, the hard parts and the good parts too. Just, you know, I know teams aren't perfect and it can be a lot of politics, but yeah, I think listening and then reflecting and then, you know, helping them problem solve too. Like, okay, what are we going to do? You don't like it what are we going to do when you don't like something, you know, as you grow and develop, like, right. should we, should he quit right away? How do you right. know if you should quit? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. And they'll probably say, I hated that. You know, like yeah. you help them through, right? They're like, absolutely. I should quit. <laughs> I told you. Great you advice. Thank you. <laughs> oh goodness. Awesome. I just wanted to mention, you had said that, um, you know way more about it than you think you do. We use this phrase a lot in our house. Mason struggle. Mason is really good at math, but struggles with reading and writing. And he sometimes will be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to. But he does know more. And so we're often, you know, telling him, you know how to read better than you think you do. You know how to write. You know, don't mm -hmm. let this one word, this one book, this one whatever, be the thing that stops you from pushing forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, kids are um, learning how to sit in that anxiety and struggle, right? And right. when we just sit with them, like, if you just name, like, this is hard. Like, you, reading isn't your favorite, and this doesn't feel good. And he probably just was like, why can't I just do math all the time? <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> like, this, is, this feels good, Mom. Like, I, you know everyone's telling me it's great to be a scientist. Like, that's what I want to do. Just <laughs> let me close my book. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it's okay, too, to help kids. Like, we don't have to hide our agendas always to say, you know, it's really important to know what to do when it doesn't, when it feels like this, right? Mm -hmm. So we're just going to keep reading this book. We're like, we're going to keep looking for a book series you like because, you know, it's it's really something that will help you in life to to like reading to some degree. You know, you don't have to love it. <laughs> but so, yeah, and I think 
kids will push back. I think one of the best things you can do is also model the struggle and failing. Uh. Um, (laughs) Kids love it when I am bad at something. Yeah. Like they will. And if I keep trying, like one of, I'm working with a little girl with anxiety now and I um, do yoga and she told me like, you don't understand how big my worry is. And I'm using an intervention where you like expose kids slowly to what their their worry is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you, you, you just don't know. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pick something that makes me really afraid and I'm going to tackle it too with you. And so doing a headstand in the middle of um, room, like not with the support of a wall is something that terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to fall over. I'm going to hurt myself. And um, I don't want, to use my health insurance deductible um, for PT. Like, I don't have time for that. Don't want to break my neck. And, yeah. And so I, like, developed, like, doing yoga during the pandemic. So I was like, okay. So we've been doing it together. And she loves the helping role, too. So I think that's a powerful way with kids, too. If you're working on something, they want to come in and they want to be, like, let me show you what I learned, right? So, like, mm. she's been coaching me through, and she happens to be in gymnastics, so it's, like, oh. pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, she has some competency around it, but, like, you know, we'll spend a couple minutes in the session, and I'm, like, falling over and over again. I'm falling and falling, and, you know, just, like... It's giving that child you know, the power. Did, right. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, seeing me out of breath and, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, frustrated and... um. And so that in that way, it's like our shared human experience, kid or adult, mm-hmm. and and that they, yeah, also have something to offer. I think that it, that it feels really good to be in that role for kids, too. So, like, we all struggle. Sense. We're all working. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're all working. Mm-hmm. That really kind of goes against, though, like, I think parenting, though, in general, or the idea around it. I know as growing up, like, I didn't actually see my parents as people. Right. You know, you see your parents as, like, all-knowing and... They have the answers. They, the answers they know what they're everything. doing. You don't see them, like, struggling necessarily. But then as you get older, you see the struggles behind it right. because you are the parent now. And so it's, like, <laughs> that kind of goes against... Like, I don't want my kids to see me struggle. I want them to have, like, confidence that I know everything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. maybe in hindsight, that's... Yeah, that's not so great. They need to see you struggle, and so that way it makes them feel better about themselves and their struggles. Nobody has all the answers, right? right. Yeah, and you know, this is, parenting is so value laden, right? So it's this is where like I feel like the conversation is so important, and I could have a background that you know is exactly like another parent, and we might share different parent different values, right? And, right, and so. You know, from like a developmental perspective, the piece of parents do need to be, we talk about a circle of security, bigger, stronger, wiser, all in like the gentle ways of that. Like, I'm in charge. I keep you safe. I do know what I'm talking about, even if you call me stupid. <laughs> like, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm in control and, and that healthy boundary, right? Right. That that helps kids feel safe and not anxious. And when parents 
struggle in that role, um, kids can develop some anxiety because they want to control them, but they're not ready. And they know they're not ready. And then there's the piece of, like, also extending, like, some, you know, human attributes to us as like parents like you know we we don't get everything on the first try or like you know i talk with parents a lot about how does it feel to apologize to your child not good good. good. yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that like you'd make a mistake and so in sessions i apologize to kids all the time it's part of my way of of working with them and i'm Mm. not their parent but parents will ask me like well you know oh like doesn't that take away your power and i was like i think it gives me more power like if i made a mistake or if i didn't hear something right i feel okay apologizing about that i think it's modeling when you do it appropriately so if they're asking me to apologize for setting a limit when they threw a toy across my office i'm not gonna apologize Right, (laughs) right but it's but if i misheard them if i did something on accident that yeah um it's owning because i would mistakes. want them to apologize to me right so right. kids call me names things like that i ask them to apologize mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think the beautiful thing about parenting and parents hate when i say this is like <laughs> we know that you don't have to be perfect and that just good enough is <laughs> they're like we hate i hate good enough but good <laughs> enough is wonderful um and I feel like so lucky and that, you know, it was really modeled for me. Like my mom was by no means perfect, um, but did many things like quote unquote perfectly for us mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, or just she was attuned. Right. Right. And by no means did I have a perfect childhood or like, you know, there were struggles, but it was good enough and good enough really launches you into life in a great way. So I think that right now we have a parenting ethos of like control and make everything in your child's life as good as it can possibly be. And we want, of course, a better life for our kids than we have. Um, And that that is possible without like, you know, staying up organizing Legos until 2 a.m. or, you know, like um, the perfect activity or things like that. Um, you know, one of the things like when we talked about resilience, you know, I think one of the things that helps kids be resilient is having at least one adult in their life that sees them for their strengths and weaknesses, holds them accountable hugely, but also gives them some grace and listens to them and you know that 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 foundation i mean it's kind of a tall order and it's also pretty doable it doesn't have to i mean it often hopefully it could be a parent but it doesn't have to be it can be a teacher um you know just feeling seen and heard Mm -hmm. um kids can weather a lot of the other things um that life and their interactions with their parents bring Right. I feel like that's a kind of a good place to wrap this conversation up. You've given us some advice for parents, some advice for kids. Got, yeah. Give us lots uh, of things to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not going to go home and cry. It's fine. 
<laughs> thank you My, so yeah. so much for being on our show today yes. and talking with us about this because I think kids are under a lot of pressure these days in general and then we throw pandemic onto it and light it on fire and then we're all like go be normal kids have fun yeah. <laughs> right right no and um we just we aren't normal as adults. Right? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And I've been so surprised. Kids are very resilient in a lot of ways, too, that they've, you know, within our state, weathered wearing masks and going back to school and the back and forth really well also. Yeah. Um, and show such gratitude for their time with friends now, being able to be back at school and can reflect on, oh, I used to not like school, and I actually do really like it. (laughs) When you take it away, suddenly it's great. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, It's like when your sibling goes to camp. Oh, they're not as bad as I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Brinkmeyer, thank you again so much for coming on the show and sharing all this really helpful information with us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been such a delight, and... um, I, yeah, I wish you all the best with your podcast and these conversations are so important. So thank you for the platform and and having them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow, that was an amazing It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. She gave us a lot of really super helpful information right for us for the kids for all the things yeah so that was she was so nice yes so glad that we were able to talk with her and get the lowdown on some (laughs) mental health for children and i I like how she would say like it shouldn't be like kids don't ask like oh who's your pediatrician right they go to like mental health should be just part of a thing right like our health in general yeah mental i think it's important that we're we're having these conversations now because these aren't conversations i heard as a child so i think we're we're on the right path by just being normalizing this and talking about it and mental health has always been so such like a taboo subject so i think now it's hopefully this will work better for bringing our kids. things more into light and making yeah. it just more common for everyone so yeah uh thank you again to dr brinkmeyer because that was right? amazing so uh let's get into our win lose draws yes you want to go first you want me to go first uh you go first my win this week is i got my first covid shot and i'm feeling myself i mean i wasn't Woo! feeling myself Woo! yesterday but i'm feeling myself today yeah <laughs> do you feel a little uh extra superiority <laughs> you're like walked out and you're like excuse yeah. me ma'am get out of my way I've had my shot <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I definitely feel like, oh, you know, this is the path this is the path to things are going to yeah. be better yeah. um, I also feel a little bit more like right. so I, I've, I'm a, I've, I have been fully vaccinated yeah, but, I think we talked about your shot on one of our so, uh, but I feel more like I'm not as like Oh, I have to put like hand sanitizer right. on right yes. away. So. Yeah, 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 I do yeah. definitely feel like that. As the person who kind of like runs errands for our family, mm-hmm. I'm all like, okay, it's it's it okay. It gives you a little bit of breathing yeah. room. It feels. I don't feel bulletproof yet, but right. I feel better. You have a space to breathe. Yeah, a little bit more. So, yeah. what's your win this week? Not so great for everybody, but myself. <laughs> I've been giving myself weekly manicures. <laughs> Go for it. That's what I do, too. Yeah. And they look adorable. I noticed them when we were talking to Dr. Brinkmeyer. Yeah. I, was gonna, I was like, this is not appropriate time, but <laughs> very cute. Thank you. Yes, I've, it's just been like a little 
time that I've been yeah. setting aside for myself. And like I got like a whole manicure like kit Set. Okay. and things and it's been making it easier. It's such a small thing. I started doing this when I was all like, oh, I'm going to set more like me time aside. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It takes like 20 minutes. But I feel like all week I will look at those nails yeah, and I'll like, be like, oh, I so did cute. that for me. Oh, it so affects cute. nobody but me. Exactly. And I, yeah. That's yeah. great. I'm glad you're Thank you're you. on this train with us. Yes. <laughs> Weekly manis, everyone. Just, and it also, it's saving me a little bit of money. Right. Yeah. So anyway. That's great. Uh, lose. I, so, okay. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do for my lose this week. And I asked my wife and she looked me dead in the eye and she's all like, the laundry space. And I just... Put my head down on the table. Because <laughs> it makes me so angry. So I'm going to try to take the anger down while explaining right, okay. to this. We have an upstairs laundry room. Okay. And when I say room, that is being very generous simply because it has doors. It's a closet. Closet. A laundry closet. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. So we, you know, have, we've decided we're going to replace our washer and dryer. And usually when we have to replace them, it's because like we have to get something immediately. So whatever's cheapest, whatever we can find at the moment, this time we're like, we're going to take our time, pick what we want. Nothing will fit in that laundry closet. The machines have gotten significantly larger over the years. Did you just not maybe measure the space before you got the, or did you not measure the new we haven't bought anything oh. because I can't find anything oh, to fit oh, without oh. going. Like, I took my measurements to Home Depot and was all like, this is what I have to work with. Right. Show me the machine. She's like, you can get an apartment machine. And I'm like, no, ma'am, I cannot. I have a full family. <laughs> yeah, there is four of us and two of them are boys who like to dig in the dirt. So no, ma'am. Yeah. Um, so now we are coming up with creative solutions to just buy like three extra inches. It's... Oh, two weeks I've been working on this problem. Two weeks! And it oh. just, it raises my blood pressure every time. That is my loss. Oh, no. <laughs> Something I was so looking forward to, and it was like, this and now is there's all be these abu- little obstacles in your way. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's my loss. I'm, yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, what do you? I got one for you. What? Oh. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Why are you giving me the crazy eyes? <laughs> so it's been, it's been cold. Yeah, and everything. It's now it's it's finally spring is sprung and things like that. But little critters are coming out. Oh no 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 no. There's a a, a mouse has been living in <gasps> my car. No, I mean I guess car is marginally better than your house, but okay. no. Well, we have two cats, so I don't think they're brave enough to come into our <laughs> house. Okay. But um, so I park my car in the garage. Our garage is attached to our sure. house. Sure. But uh, so the reason I found out is I was just gonna ask how you found. Uh, there's all these like so I have two car seats in my mm-hmm. car. One's like a, a booster from, and then sure. the other one's like a car seat. My son's four. No, oh my gosh, my son's five now. <laughs> so he's as, but he's in a car seat still. Um, but there's all this like fluff in the bottom, and I thought he was just like picking yeah. at it. And so I was like, hey, don't do that anymore. And he's like, I don't what. <laughs> And I'm like, I know it's you. Stop it. Yeah. Like, I don't even so do this one. Loss. Yeah. I'm blaming my child for the damage of a mouse. Um, and then the next day, like, he hasn't been in the car. I cleaned it out. There's more of it. No. And then I see these little black pellets. Oh, no, no, no. And I was like, great. That's, that, that's, that's, that's mouse a mouse. Poo. That's yep. mouse poop. Um, so I pulled out his thing. And I bet it was... It was trying to pull out the little insulation stuff to make like be warm, right? And make also, a nest. 
Um, my son does, has eats snacks in the car, so it's just yes. chock full of crumbs. Oh, so ours is too. So I had, so I pulled it out and she, like undid everything to like shake out all the crumbs and clean it. But then I saw um, it had been gnawing at the straps. Oh no! So I had to buy a whole new car seat. No, they're so expensive. Tell uh-huh. me about it. <laughs> oh. So, um. We have gotten rid of it. I mean, we never found it, but there's been no other sightings or okay. like, signs. Maybe of he was mice like still in, in the, the seats when you got rid of the seat. Maybe God, he just. I hope not. Oh, but... <laughs> that's horrifying. Like, so yeah, we've been a little stricter on snack distribution. And, <laughs> I, yes, I would uh, imagine. We've also put like traps out in the garage and stuff like that. So. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well. that's that's a big one. So not a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, anyway. But yeah, so draw. Let's move on, shall we? Let's not dwell <laughs> let's on my loss anymore. <laughs> let go of the negativity yes, here. Yes, yes. Go ahead. What's so draw? my draw is fruity pebbles. <laughs> so I want my kids to eat something healthy in the morning. I want them to, you know, something that's going to fill them up. But I also, at this point, is it's not a hill I'm going to die on anymore. Yeah. And so my kids have really taken to Fruity Pebbles and will eat three bowls of it consecutively every morning. And you know what? It's got riboflavin. I don't care. You want to eat vitamins and minerals. You want to mainline that sugar? You go for it, boo. I'm I'm done. <laughs> can't. <laughs> I'm over it. I, if it makes you happy, it makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I know. I just wish they chose something like, I don't know. I don't know. They'll get tired of it eventually, yeah. and then you can sneak something else in there that's maybe a little more <laughs> healthy. Fiber rich. Yeah. I don't know. It's whatever. It, it, it's fine. It's I don't care anymore. I'm over it. Uh, <laughs> uh, my draw. <laughs> I have come to the conclusion that I am a freelance hot girl. I'm, I'm going to need you to break this down for me. So gone are the days that I can just roll out of bed. Sure. And like, you know, put on minimum effort and look. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Great. But if I put forth a little bit of effort, I think I look pretty good. Sure. But you clean up well. Like I've just, you know what? I'm not going to roll out of bed and look <laughs> like a million bucks. I'm going to roll out of bed and look uh, this questionable. This is it. <laughs> And that's okay. That is okay. So I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm freelance hot. There you go. Oh, I'm hot when I need to be, <laughs> and I'm the rest of it. It's you're well, always hot. You're just different co- flavors of hot. Yeah. Freelance hot. There you go. <laughs> I'm hot when I want to be. Sure. And just this is just the state of things. And yeah, I feel like just, that's that's been a hard one for me to grasp. That yeah. I can't just like wake up and, be, and yeah. slap on a little concealer, and now I look just as good. You mm-hmm. know, I. That has it's the effort that I mm-hmm. it's I'm, I'm bitter about the effort that I, I have to put in. Yeah, That's I what spent is, like but. a whole year looking for foundations because I was all like, I want the least like yeah foundation foundation I can find. What's and, the minimum effort that I right? can put in? But and then I would I'm find these all the things conclusion. that were like sheer, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna yeah. work. <laughs> I've, I've come to the conclusion yeah. that there is no more minimal effort that right. I'm gonna. It's gonna be effort. It's on or off. That's it's it, guys. Effort <laughs> or not. Yes, <laughs> that's it my is. draw. So. All right, yeah. I'm in the same boat with you. Let's do it together. <laughs> Let's be freelance <laughs> hot moms. All right. Uh, so everyone, thanks for listening. I yeah. hope you really enjoyed this 
episode because I really did. I yeah, was, she, again, so informative. Yeah, Dr. Brinkmeyer was amazing. So uh, let us know what you thought and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things, all the things. So uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. All right, bye. bye. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and not necessarily those of Centennial Broadcasting.